Hello, Tamarindo Podcast listeners. If you are a fan of this show, then you probably are joining us in feeling really discouraged um, about the leaked draft majority opinion of the Supreme Court, where it seems as though the Supreme Court is planning to strike down Roe v. Wade. So we want to just acknowledge that terrible news and let you know that we'll talk a little bit more about it in an upcoming episode and stay tuned. We will cover it then. But just wanted to tell you all that we are feeling this and we encourage you all to support Planned Parenthood, support abortion providers, and just keep an eye out. We'll be covering it some more in a future episode. Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. Hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez, a political nerd and nonprofit capacity builder. And me, Ana Sheila Victorino, a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. We are a Latinx empowerment podcast discussing politics, culture, and how to keep your calma with well-being practices and self-love. Welcome to the show. What's up, y'all? We took a little break, but we're back in your ears. Hola, hola. Hello, Tamarindo podcast listeners. So today we are excited. We have Gabriela Fresques, who is a Mexican-American multi-hyphenate actor, writer, host, and stand-up comedian. But most recently, she wrote, produced, and hosted Telemundo's first of its kind English language news show called Radar with the tagline, which I love, not your abuela's news show. So she's going to be talking to us a little bit about um, working in news media, how it's evolved, how to connect more with our community. Um, but before we get into that, I'd love to know, Brenda, como has estado? Um, and maybe what have you been watching? Yeah, I'm excited to hear this conversation with, with Gabriela. I think she's hilarious. We're, we are often often retweeting her amazing wit. So, so can't wait for folks to listen to this interview. But yeah, speaking of what I've been watching, I want to tell you about this show. It's called Undone on Amazon Prime. Season two of this show just came out on April 29th on Prime Video, and you can binge watch all of it. I love that you can binge watch, right? Like, like you don't have to wait every single week. You can binge watch all of it. So this show stars Rosa Bianca Salazar as Alma. She's a young woman that develops this re really um, interesting power, this reality warping abilities in order to uncover the secrets about her family and also to heal generational wounds. So the actress Salazar is Peruvian, of Peruvian descent by way of Canada. And so I love that most of the characters on this show are people of color. It also stars Constance Marie. And this season, I'm excited to share, features our friend Carlos Santos, who's been a guest of this podcast. And another main character is Alma's dad, who is played by Better Call Saul's Bob Odenkirk. So great lineup, great lineup of people. Love it. And I love the focus on healing generational wounds because I feel like it's something we've been talking a lot about on the show and just in, a, in our broader community. So I love that. But what so what do you like about it, Brenda? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally about that. There's also like um, connecting to our ancestral roots. There's a lot going on in this show. This show is it's riveting. It's also visually stunning. And it brings you into this dreamlike world where time and place have a different meaning. So I love how it explores those themes that you mentioned, but it also explores mental health, family secrets, the mystical, the magical, you know, it's got all the things, you know, all the things that our listeners are really, really into. And also something else that's unique about this show is that the main character has a disability. Alma is deaf and she uses an assistive device to hear. And the dreamlike world that she's pulled into can be very disoriented, disorienting. And so they, they kind of draw parallels to what it was like for her to be able to hear for the first time. And I think that's really interesting. It's a, a really neat to see a, a main character with a disability because you don't see that very much. And, and also a main character who happens to be Latina. The show takes place in San Antonio, which I think is pretty cool, too, because every single show is either L.A. or New York. So it's refreshing that it's San Antonio. So you see the the Alamo. They go to the Alamo at one point in season one. And you also see them, you know, walking in the Riverwalk. So it's really neat to have just a different setting than what we normally see. And I think something else that stands out about this show is that it's an animated psychological comedy drama. <laughs> so uh, what you see on screen is a combination of the actors, but then they are also animated and what makes you feel like sort of like watercolor coming to life. So that's something a little bit different. And it really helps kind of pull you into the setting of this unique 
world that the creators have built. So um, it's a really mm. neat show, and I think folks should should give it a try. It's refreshing to see a Latina main character and and lots of Latinx folks on this screen. I think you've drawn people in and people will be watching. Thank you for your your beautiful uh, show descriptions, Brenda. And I love all the themes that this show covers. So once again, the show is called Undone and season two is out right now on Prime Video and you can binge watch it. Yes, 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 yes. And so that's uh, watching the show is part of what I've been up to. The other thing I'll share with you is that I'm right now we're recording I'm in 29 Palms because, which is basically Joshua Tree. I'm going to be doing a 50 mile bike race <laughs> tomorrow. So I'm continuing with my extreme sports. <laughs> and what's making you feel good, Anna Shayla? Um, I've been focusing on thinking about what makes me feel good. <laughs> so just really centering myself, my pleasure, my well being, trying to think a lot less about what other people are doing or thinking about. Um, you know, that's a constant practice for all of us. And, and something, you know, as I go through my healing process, one of the things that I was reflecting on is, and I, is to me being well is knowing what you actually need in a certain moment and having the actual capacity, whether it be mental, physical, or material, like having the resources to do that thing you need. And then knowing, and, and knowing when we're not there, I think is really important, right? Like when you need to be asking yourself those questions, when you're on the way to being well, but maybe you don't feel like super well, it's, you have to create the space to ask yourself those questions. So like, you know, when you're well, maybe you can very easily connect with what, what it is that you need, right. And do that. But when you're healing or not feeling so well, it's like stopping yourself and asking yourself more questions. So like, for example, a question that I think is really important when you're not feeling as well is like, what outcome do I want in this situation right now? And what action is going to actually get me there? Because when we're not as well, we might jump and do the first thing that we feel, and that might not be the thing, give us the outcome that we want. So just asking yourself more questions, what actually makes me feel good? Not when, not what's the first thing I want to do. So, um, yeah. And it just, I've been juggling a lot with the full-time job again. I know Brenda's always been juggling, is always juggling things too. So she knows, she knows what that feels like, but I've also been minimizing my engagement with news, um, a bit because again, focusing on my healing and my well-being, And, and I think a lot of news media, there's a lot of issues with news media. And so that's part of why we're excited that today we're joined by Gabriela Fresques, who has been working in that space and, and is trying to address the approach of how do we deliver news? How do we not talk at people, but actually try to connect with people? Um, and, and how do we keep broaching the topics that maybe weren't as okay to talk about in our, in our communities earlier? So I love what she's pushing forward. It's a lot of what we do on, on the show. So I'm excited for y'all to hear Gabriela Fresques right after this break. What's up, Tamarino Amiguis? So today we are joined by Gabriela Fresques, who is a Mexican-American multi-hyphenate actor, writer, television host, and stand-up comedian. Most recently, she wrote, produced, and hosted Telemundo's first-of-its-kind English-language news show, Radar, with the tagline, Not Your Abuela's News Show. I love it. <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show, Gabby. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm I'm excited about this topic. And um, but first, I want to open up. I, w- I would love to know a little bit more about Gabby Frescas. So, what are three to five words to describe who you are in this world? And then I'd love um, for you to share with our listeners how you got into the news media space and and what that what that's been like. Um, okay. Well, three to five words um, definitely describe myself as curious, passionate, uh, sarcastic, empathic and an eternal optimist. Beautiful. We need that. We need that. (laughs) I try to stay there too. It's helpful sometimes (laughs) in this, in this, in this dark, dark world. (laughs) You have to be in the industry I am in a little delusional. Yeah, I feel that. So speaking (laughs) of that, tell us a little bit about like your, your career trajectory that's led you now to news media and, and, and how that happened. Well, you know, maybe it started back in high school. I was I started writing for the school newspaper in high school. It was after 9-11 that I just became really curious about current events in the world and politics because 
I couldn't believe that something so catastrophic like that could happen. And I had no sense, no real understanding of why things were playing out like that in our world and on this planet, essentially. So it really gave me this curiosity to learn more and just to sort of expand my horizons. And so I started writing for the school newspaper. That led me to study journalism in college at USC, studied international relations. Um, Shortly after that, I, I worked in grassroots political campaigning And at that point, there was a bit of a turning point where I then turned to entertainment, which was kind of a first love of mine of performing. So I worked as an actor for many years. But during that time, I had all of these different hosting opportunities kind of keep popping up. Uh, The first of which was actually how we initially met. It was a web series called Inspira, and they were looking for a specifically Latina a woman with a journalism background. And so that was kind of the first thing I ever booked was actually hosting a docu-web series uh, that was centered around telling stories about inspiring Latino leaders. So fast forward to now, uh, I started creating my own content a few years back, created this web series called The Latin Expert. And that was sort of, that sort of came out of the 2016 election where we were seeing a lot of really negative portrayals of Latinos in the media. So I wanted to create something that was fun and a little like sassy and irreverent. And uh, it was essentially five minute webisodes where I would talk about something culturally significant to our community or maybe uh, a political event um, like the crisis in Venezuela, where I would talk about the meaning behind the song La Cucaracha. Uh, so it could be you know any range of topics, and that led me to working for Telemundo on a show called Radar, uh, Nacho Abuela's new show, that was really much in line with the vision that I had had for my web series. So it was a really seamless transition into working for uh, Telemundo NBC Universal on this show. I love it. Um, well, first of all, I just want to comment on the fact that how we met, it just what, what a small Latino, Latinx world it is. Right. And, and to just be reunited in this way, it's, it's very cool. <laughs> yes. The full circle moment. I love it. Um, y'all did some good work on that show, but anyways, um, and, and also I love the name of the show, not your abuela's news show. So tell me a little bit of why you call it that or why you called it that. Well, radar was aimed at, really representing Latino bicultural voices, showcasing the diversity of our community, but also a place to start difficult or taboo conversations. Uh, We would talk about everything from, you know, broad topics like climate change to the cultural significance of Dia de los Muertos to mental health. Um, And a lot of the topics really did fall in line with things that are very taboo in our community. Obviously, mental health being one of the the big ones. But we did an episode on sex. We did an episode about reclaiming ancestral spirituality, where we delved into the history of brujeria and santeria and all of these things that many of us grew up with, um, you know, kind of being told that things, things were cosas del diablo or these things were evil, when in fact, um, we're talking about cultural practices uh, from hundreds of years ago that were sort of uh, dismissed and eradicated through colonization. So Not Your Abuela's new show is not to say that the abuelas are not welcome. It's more to say that this is really about uh, progress in our community, looking to the future um, and looking to kind of seeing where we can improve and grow as a Latino community. I love it. And I think, so now I want to ask, I don't think many of us really know how the world of news and news media actually works. So what are some of the most interesting things you've discovered while working in this space, especially when it comes to the Hispanic, Latino, Latinx community? And I, and I use all those terms that we normally uh, use use Latinx on, on the show, but I use all those terms because I know that that's Part part of it, right? Oh, because Latinx is a trigger word for a lot of Latinos. <laughs> trust, la- trust me, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, of, of all things to care about. But anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. If only we cared about people calling us rapists as much as we care about people calling us Latinx. Right. Um, but I digress. Uh, so the world of news media, you know, it's funny because I feel, I see myself as an outsider in this world because I really had never worked in news on this scale before. I had worked on shows, I had worked on news shows, I even worked on a live news show at one point. But with Radar, 
we were really building something from the ground up. We launched in the middle, not even in the middle of the pandemic, at the beginning of the pandemic, March 2020, when everything was shutting down, uh, is when I, you know, came to work for Telemundo. We launched towards the end of that year. So I was really learning on the go. And uh, luckily, I had a lot of skills that came in really handy. I had, you know, I've been a performer my whole life, but I had also been writing. And um, I was also always a pretty decent writer in college as well. But I had been writing, creating my own content. I'd been learning about the editing process, you know, pacing, just the little things that like visually make the show come together. And while, whereas I wasn't working, you know, in post-production of our show, it really did help to have that understanding of what makes an engaging television show. Because as much as you want to create something that is informative, something that is substantive, if people aren't engaged, if you're not connected with your audience, if you're not energizing your audience, then people aren't going to stick around to watch. So if anything, I learned, um, I learned just how all of those pieces come together and getting to work with a team for the first time was so exciting because I, I had been doing something, you know, on a much smaller scale, pretty much on my own. So I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> I'm like pretty much saying I learned everything, like being able to write every single episode and see that play out and see that be put together in, um, you know, a beautiful 20 minute package was really exciting. And I also got to hone my interview skills a lot more too, which is a definitely a skill, by the way. I now, when I watch really great journalists uh, give interviews, uh, I'm really fascinated because I do realize just how skilled you need to be to be not only a great interviewer, a great listener, and how to ask the right questions. Right. It's not just like asking questions. There's so much that more that, that goes into it. Absolutely. Um, well, and then how about when it comes to writing stories, specifically speaking to, um, you know, our, our communities? What, is there anything that you discovered along the way in, in, in when it came to writing your stories and, and doing the research? Well, I just the purpose of our show was really to engage the diverse Latinx community and really uh, represent ourselves as fully as we could and I really just learned so much about different Latino community, like di the like different cultures. Just working mm -hmm. with, you know, a producer who's from Nicaragua, a post-production operator from the Caribbean or families from the Caribbean, a social media manager that's Chilean. I learned so much about just how different and how similar all of our cultures are. But there, I mean there's endless things to know about our community. <laughs> and so really being able to delve into like the nuance of who we are was really exciting. Uh, there were, there were a lot of times where I would have to reach out to my team to ask, you know, about how to say something or ask if like, we all use the same word to describe like frijoles, for example, there's other cultures that have different names for that. You know, like there's things that right. where, because I'm Mexican-American, I'm coming from that perspective. There was just so much to learn about how not everybody relates to the Mexican culture, <laughs> you know, like because there's so many of us and because I grew up in Southern California, the Latino community is really centered around Mexican culture. And right. I, I came to realize that, you know, the world doesn't revolve around Mexico. And I think that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> That's, that's a very important and beautiful reflection. Um, I agree with that. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, sometimes in Southern California, you, you can feel that way. I, I, um, luckily I, before moving to California, I lived in Chicago and there was a very big Puerto Rican community there. And I think that was really helpful for, for my education and, and my openness. But, um, I wanted to, to ask, was there any, anything like super, you, you showed you, you learned so many different things, some nuances of different communities, anything super like, you know, that you didn't know that you're like, wow, that was super, that just you, super interesting that you want to share? Well, we did an episode on Dia de los Muertos versus Halloween. And we kind of uh, dove into the history of Dia de los Muertos, which does not, is not exclusive to Mexico, as I learned. Um, throughout Latin America, there are various uh, traditions revolving around Dia de los Muertos. They just have slightly different names. Um, but there was one tradition where, oh my gosh, and I can't, I, of course, I can't remember uh, which country it was off the top of my head, but there was one tradition where 
they literally uh, carry the skulls of their loved ones and parade them like through the street and then basically bring them all together and place them together kind of like an almost like an altar and decorate them with flowers, which it, like image wise is very similar to Dia de los Muertos of Mexico, but I never knew about this pro procession where you hold your loved one's skulls and basically uh, like acknowledge and uh, remember them in this way that to, you know, a lot of Americans is going to sound like really kind of uh, morose or creepy, but learning more about it, I realized like it's kind of a really beautiful thing how Latin American people honor their dead. And they don't yes. look at it like because the biggest difference, obviously, between Halloween and Dia de los Muertos was the fact that within Halloween in the American culture, we are taught that the dead are scary, they're creepy, they're ghouls. Um, whereas in Latin American culture, it's the complete opposite. It's right. beautiful and it's a, a remembrance and it's an honoring of the dead, not a fear of the dead. So that was something I learned that was really interesting. And it really made me proud to be of my culture. Yeah, I, that's that's beautiful. And as, and as you were sharing that tradition, my, my mouth was wide open, like thinking about <laughs> thinking about real skulls. It was both wide open thinking about real skulls, but it also was it wasn't like, oh, that's gross. It was like, oh, that's wild. And also that is so powerful. And I think because of just the way that we the traditions that, that I've, you know, grown up with as well. Um, I also wanted to ask, you know, and I, I'm curious and I don't know how much you can share about this is, uh, you know, a studio, a, a network, you know, runs your shows. Right. And so how does that come into play when you are thinking about the stories and the angles and, and all those things? Cause I know sometimes we think a lot about, you know, other networks like Univision and thinking about who's behind them and how that may, who, who are those folks, what are their backgrounds and how that might affect the, the way that news is 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 shared and disseminated and, and presented, right? So just curious if you could speak a little bit about how, what that experience was like for you, as much as much as you can anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, of course, I can only speak from my experience working at Telemundo, but I will say that I was kind of floored at the amount of creative liberty we had to really talk about whatever we wanted. Um, in all honesty, a lot of the, I mean, I, I pitched a lot of the episodes, so some were just things that I had been wanting to talk about and wanting to explore and expand upon for a very long time from when I was creating my own web series. Um, but together, you know, collectively as a team, we all pitched and we all shared ideas. And, you know, ultimately the senior producer and the executive producer make the call, but uh, we were very much creatively in sync with each other. And again, I was always kind of surprised pleasantly that Telemundo did not push back on allowing us to talk about the things we wanted to talk about. You know, whether we're criticizing because, we're, you know, we're being critical of ourselves and we're really looking deeply about things, you know, we're celebrating our community, we're celebrating our culture, but we're also looking at the things, you know, where is there room for improvement? You know, why do we still have this culture of machismo? Why can't we go to therapy? Uh, why do we have this very puritanical ideas about sex and yet we are sex symbols in all of the American in American media and American pop culture, um, we're, we were we were looking a lot of a lot of the a lot of the you know hypocritical aspects of our community, and you know as well as things that we all love and celebrate. And uh, so it was really great that we were able to we were given the space and freedom to pretty much talk about whatever we wanted. And well, when we talk about the history of Latinos and news media. Um, you know, unfortunately, we've had a long history of cultural exclusion, um, whether it's in the news media or whether we're talking about film and television. And unfortunately, when you are excluded from a space for so long, you are left to, you're basically at the mercy of the narratives that other people want to share about your community. You know, if we're not, if we don't have a seat at the table, it's really difficult then to control the narrative about what type of news uh, Latinos are getting about their community and how they're portrayed within those communities. When you think about Latinos in the news, what is the number one newsworthy topic that comes up every single time? Immigration, right? It's like, 
you for the last 10 years, it, it's really hard to turn on any news channel. And when Latinos are brought up, it's in the context of illegal aliens and immigration. And then we witnessed uh, the ugliness of the um, family separations that were happening and that are still happening. So unfortunately, the history is really centered around the fact that we have long been excluded from these spaces or been relegated to these narratives that really paints a narrow picture of who we are as people. So I think that what a lot of times when we talk about Latino representation, yes, we talk about television and film, we talk about Hollywood, which is another very exclusionary place. But sometimes we forget to address the problem of news media because where is Hollywood getting its ideas in the first place? They're getting it from the portrayals of Latinos in the news in the world around us because the news paints the picture of the world. And if we can only see ourselves reflected in one particular way, it's really hard to grow from that, to be able to see yourself in another way. I mean, it's, it's at the root of why representation matters. Um, and also not to mention the consequence of being ignorant about who we are, about our history, uh, is great. I mean, we're seeing that play out in real time today. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I think in like in the worst case scenario, right, you have somebody in El Paso going and and shooting up Hispanic people because he sees them as invaders. When the reality is we were here long before the pilgrims ever landed. <laughs> so mm -hmm. um yeah, I wish that there was more to dive into in terms of how, you know, Latinos have helped shape the evolution of news media in this country. But for so long, we've been so excluded that it's hard to even find those types of stories and those types of accounts. Yeah, yeah. Real, real talk. Um, well, I feel like this is a great point to take a, a little break and we'll be right back with Gabby Frescos. Hey, we're back. And so I'm curious, I mean, have you seen any kind of evolution which based on your own work or um, what you've witnessed that makes you feel hopeful in terms of how news media either engages with the, with the Latinx community or just our participation in it? Um, well, I'm glad you added the hopeful part because I was like, do you want the good news or the bad news? <laughs> Here's the good news. Um, yes, I have witnessed an incredible evolution and uh, a dedication to the nuance, the more nuanced aspects of our culture. And that is coming in the form of social media platforms. Uh, I follow numerous inf Latino influencers and experts online that are creating really amazing communities, uh, whether through you know, humorous TikToks or whether they're sharing information about, um, you know, how to be a bruja, how to be a bruja in 2022. There's just, there's so much content out there that is so uh, uniquely created by us and for us. You know, I think of like Better Like, I think of Me Too, you know, some of the bigger brands out there that are doing it. But there's also all kinds of micro influencers that are out there and really building, building community uh, and connection. And, doing, and they're successful because they understand who their audience is and that they understand that there is a whole community out there of bicultural, bilingual Latinos that are craving this type of content. So that does give me a lot of hope. And I think that as those influencers and those platforms continue to thrive, people will continue to take note and, and give them hopefully even bigger platforms. And then the other thing that makes me optimistic is the fact that uh, a news network as large as Telemundo, you know, one of the two biggest Spanish language news networks in the country, gave space to a show like Radar, something that is uh, more progressive and very targeted towards uh, young Gen Y and Gen Z uh, Latinos who are bicultural and really don't see themselves represented in that type of really specific and nuanced way. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think something that's you know, I'm excited to see more of is as we continue to push back on the, I, you know, the way that we were all combined as, as Latinos in, in order to, 
help with a lot of different things politically, et cetera, um, you know, strength and numbers type of thing. Um, we've also now started to push back on the story of us as like one people, right? And, and the people that were generally highlighted, right, tended to be white Latinos, tended to be a certain, you know, there's just a lot of different groups that were excluded. And I think I'm excited to see how we've pushed back on, on that and, and highlighting more black and, and brown and indigenous um, Latinos and Latinx folk in, in, in many different ways, right? You know, what you said made me think of how we're targeted in political elections, for example, right? The complaint has always been that these politicians look at our community as a monolith, that we're this homogenous group, when how they should be reaching and targeting Latinos is the same way they reach and target their white constituents. Right. <laughs> we're, we're just as diverse. Right. Um, you know, you because obviously when you're looking at a block of Venezuelan and Cuban voters from South Florida, that's going to be very different from a Mexican voter in El Paso. We um, are talking about people that come from very different, have very different cultural backgrounds, have very different histories, are more sensitive towards certain things, politically speaking. Um, and, you know, and then you add in different demographics and, you know, sex and all of the other things that make people unique voting blocks. And I, I, it's, it's unfathomable to me how in 2022 you can look at the largest, now the largest uh, minority voting block in the United States and try to try to treat them as though they are one people. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100 um, okay, I want to transition a little bit. So in, in working in, 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 in news media, what have you found to be the best way to actually reach younger Latinos um, of the millennial, but now even, you know, the Gen Z generation? Because I'd love to learn more about, about that as a, as a fellow millennial, <laughs> and especially in a way that they actually want to hear it, right? Yeah, well, my go-to has always been humor. I mean, again, I don't come from a news news background. And so when I approach my news, uh, like you could get your news from anywhere, right? And for the most part, what I always hear is that the reason people don't watch the news or they're not as engaged as they maybe would like to be or they think they should be is because it is so damn depressing. That's the reality of it. And so I've always been a big fan of people like John Oliver and Samantha B, Hassan Minaj, uh, people who are, you know, all comedians, obviously. Um, but the way that they're able to break down really complex and sometimes depressing or serious topics gives people a way in. So I think that's always a really important thing to do when you're engaging any audience is give people a way in and, you know, try things that are maybe try things a little differently, you know, use humor, use relatability and understand who you're, you're speaking to. I don't think people want to be talked at anymore. That's kind of like the old way of news. I think people need to be engaged and they want to feel like there's some kind of connection or that it's, it's more conversational on radar. You know, I always use humor and sometimes sort of spoke about things in a more, more of a satirical way. Um, because I feel like it just makes things a little bit more digestible when you approach it in that way. Because uh, it's really easy to get bogged down by the depressing nature of a serious topic. <laughs> and so that has always been my, uh, my approach. And I will literally sit there and I will picture the person that I'm speaking to. Yeah. You know, I'll think about like, what does this person do for fun? Who are they? What are they? What device are they watching this on right now? What, would, what questions would they have? And I feel like approaching an audience as though they're a real human being is super important. <laughs> that sounds that sounds so that sounds so basic, but like, <laughs> but, but but it it makes sense. And 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 you're and you're so right though. Like it makes so that's so obvious. But yet, as you shared in the past, the way that news was delivered is that people spoke at people. They it, you weren't trying to connect with your audience with your message, and it makes so much sense that that would be a much better way to deliver any kind of information. Um, I love that giving away, giving people a way in. And I think that that can apply to, to so, almost anything that you do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and, and in doing so, I think you encourage 
a conversation to happen um, because I think debate is important. Conversation and the exchange of ideas is really important. And I think we're kind of in this weird space culturally, you know, with the rise of cancel culture and things like that, uh, where we're not, we're not being trained how to talk to each other, how to engage each other. People are talking at each other and, you, you know, you go on Twitter and you just see this, like these barrages of, and threads of people just attacking each other. And there's no real, there's no real exchange of ideas happening. There's no understanding. There's no engaging. Um, and unfortunately that, you know, that happens a lot. And so when you turn on, you know, any of the 24 hour news cycles and it's just like five pundits going at each other, it's a really big turnoff. And it's a really big turnoff for this generation in particular, I think, because we've been inundated with it for so long. And I think people are looking for something different. Yes, 100% to everything you just shared. I was just like nodding my head. Yes, 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 to all, to all of that. Yeah, I love, I love that, you, that you called that out. Um, okay, so we've gotten to the point in our show where we like to ask our guests to share their matraca, basura, and calma. So again, a matraca is something you want to give a shout out to that you're loving. It can be person, place, thing, concept, silly, or serious. Basura is, you know, very self-explanatory, something you want to put in the trash. And then your calma is something that is keeping you grounded. So wherever you, wherever you want to start. <laughs> oh gosh. Some of these are like kind of crossover into each other, but I'll start. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so I'll start with matraca. My matraca is alone time. Uh, it's something that I'm loving right now. And as a extrovert, it's been very hard for me to get comfortable with a lot of alone time. <laughs> um, but I'm realizing just how much I need it to sort of um, build my energy back up and, and sort of like get right with myself. And I think that because it was forced through the pandemic for so long, it was really, really uncomfortable. But I think I've come to a place now where I, I really have come to value it and understand the importance of just spending time alone and not worrying about what everybody else is doing, not worrying about not having FOMO. Uh, so that's something I'm loving right now. I love that. I mean, that time alone is, is so important. I think just for connecting with yourself and your intuition, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, how about, wh what do you want to put in la basura? Um, I would love to put people pleasing in la basura. A hundred. I love yes. it. Yes, yes, yes. And that kind of like harkens back to alone time. I'm like, you know what? Focus on yourself, Gabs. Focus on yeah. yourself. <laughs> Do um, what feels good to you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I didn't realize how much of a people pleaser I was. And now that I'm aware of it, I'm like, oh, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? You don't even like that person. Like, what do you stop? <laughs> don't worry about, don't worry about them. <laughs> I love that. I feel like I'm definitely on that journey of, of just challenging that and, and putting that in la basura. So I love that you called that out. Um, and then lastly, what is keeping you grounded? What is giving you calma right now? Well, besides a lot of therapy and intense exercise, um, I would say uh, one thing would definitely have to be RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's been around for a long time, but I'm, I'm, a recent, I'm a recent viewer, like in the last year and a half or so. I, you know, I started, I had never seen it before the pandemic and I needed something to watch to, you know, pass the many hours alone by myself. And I'm usually like, I'm a fan of like shows like The Handmaid's Tale, like things that are really gritty and dramatic and intense. And I needed something during that very dark period of all of our lives. I needed something like light and ridiculous. And so I started watching RuPaul's Drag Race and I was hooked. I binged all of the seasons. I'm now at the most current season. Shout out to Willow Pill, uh, the recent <laughs> winner. So, yeah, it really does bring me calma. <laughs> like I love it. Willow Drag Race is my safe space. I love it. I think I don't think I've seen the most recent season, but also during the pandemic, I watched many seasons as well. So I'm I'm with you, and I think I just realized how freaking talented they are. Mm -hmm. I, I don't I don't think I understood the level of of like multi talented humans that were on the show until I watched the show. And now that I like have seen it, I have so much more appreciation. I, I think for, it's like, it yeah. speaks to the musical theater nerd in me. Yeah. And like the campiness of that. 
And, you know, it's like this weird cross between America's Next Top Model, Project Runway, and like America's Got Talent, I guess. Yep. And it's just so campy and stupid. And I love it. You can just shut your brain off and like watch all these fabulous queens do their thing. And it just makes me happy. They're amazing. And I just want to know how so many people can drop into a split because I, I can't even like go halfway to get to getting to a split. No, no, no. Not even close. <laughs> I don't no even know way. how they do it. Just, like, doesn't that hurt? I want to know if it hurts because it looks like it hurts. <laughs> oh, it looks, yeah, pretty frightening. But it looks amazing. Um, okay. So before we finish up, I just want to know, is there anything that you didn't get to share, some thoughts that came up as, as we were speaking that you want to share, that leave the list? with and if not um you can also just let the listeners know where they can follow you and be up to date with what's going on with gabby frescas yeah um one thing i don't think i really talked about was why is any of this important why is it so important that we're represented because represented because we talk about it a lot you know we give a lot of lip yep. service to the importance of cultural representation um, you know, we do these social media campaigns with hashtag Oscar so white. We pay a lot of lip service to the subject, but we don't spend a lot of time talking about why this is so important. And I was rewatching a TED talk by America Ferreira earlier today, and she had this great quote, which was, Who we see thriving in the world teaches us how to see ourselves. And I like mm. I, I heard that and it just like ugh, just resonated so deeply because it does. These narratives and these images that we project and we inundate ourselves with, they, they teach not only us how to see ourselves, but they teach the world how to see us. And so if we're not at the table, it's like, if you're not at the table, you're what's for dinner or something like that. Mm. <laughs> it's totally wrong. <laughs> but, you know, and again, it goes back to like being the people behind the scenes, being the people that are pulling the strings, being the people that are crafting the narratives. It's not enough to just be in front of the camera. Who is making those decisions in the newsroom about what stories get greenlit? Who is making the decision um, you know, at Fox Studios on what television shows get greenlit? And how and, and who, who's going to be brought into those projects? And how are we going to tell these stories? And are we going to choose to you know, speak to this community authentically? Are we going to choose to, like Tanya Saracho did, create a, a writer's room of all Latinx um, I think queer writers, right? You know, it's like some people might look at that and think it's a little extreme, but it's not. It's because the pendulum has to swing the other direction at some point and nobody's going to do it for us. It's our responsibility to take the reins and to, to find a way through. Um, just as it's our responsibility to be curious, to ask questions and, um, you know, as I like yes. to say... To Gandhi ourselves to be the change you want to see. <laughs> I'm like, I love it. I'm like a walking meme right now. Oh my god! Daddy. Oh my god! No, I, that 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 was that was powerful. If I wanted to make a lot of noises as you were sharing all of that, but you know, <laughs> I've, I've been told it's better to not speak as much when when inter when the interviewees are are, are speaking. <laughs> but I was just like bouncing around, shaking my head, yes, um, and that, and it. I feel like you just. I mean, that, that, and that, folks, is why you do what you're doing, why we do what we do on this podcast. And you just, you know, reminded me again why it's so important that we dedicate as many hours to we do, as we do to this show for not a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're speaking to 60 million of us. We're 18% of the population, you know? it's We're not going anywhere. So yep. get on yes. board. <laughs> get on board. Um, okay, and lastly, where can folks find you? Well, I'm on all you? the social medias on Twitter and Instagram at Gabby Fresquez, G-A-B-Y-F-R-E-S-Q-U-E-Z. Beautiful. Well, oh, thank you so much. Oh, yes. Oh, one also, more thing. Go for you it. You can go check out Radar. We have 48 episodes online. And, um, you know, a lot of the topics we covered are evergreen. So go on YouTube and check it out. Love it. Well, Gabby, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. All right. Have a great day. You too. All right, y'all. Well, we hope that y'all enjoyed that conversation. Hope that it gave you some things to think about in terms of how you engage with news and how you want to be connected with. Um, so now we're going to move on to one of the parts of the show that we love, our Matracas, Basuras, and Calma. And we're just going to wing it today, y'all. So we'll see what comes out. So Brenda, what is your matraca today? 
Well, my matraca today is, um, I've been, LA is opening up again, right? So I've been out, out in public and maybe that's why I have a cold. It is not COVID, I checked. I do have a cold. So if you hear that in my voice, that's what's going on. But one thing that's been getting me out is I've been going to, there's been, I've gone to two of three. There's going to be one more tomorrow if you all are listening to this on Wednesday when this episode drops. But Eunices Hernandez, who is a friend of the pod, been on the been a guest on the show, and she's running for to be my city council representative, CD one. She's been having these fundraisers that are free comedy shows that I could walk to, which is great, and they've been a lot of fun. A lot of the um, comedians are you know trans folks, people of color, women amazing hilarious lineups and i love that approach of like going to a comedy show to raise money for this amazing candidate and i'm also super excited because uh, if folks are familiar with races you know that beating an incumbent is pretty much impossible it's like really really difficult but unices hernandez has has gotten so much support she's completely out fundraised this dude she even got endorsed by Dolores Huerta so I'm just very excited about the possibility so if you live in CD1 in Los Angeles I hope that you are donating to Anissa Hernandez's campaign I hope that you are planning to vote I hope that you're reminding everybody to vote folks need to vote in the primary elections and let's make sure that we we get the representation that this part of LA desperately needs so that's all. That's my matraca. It goes it. to Unices and people that have been raising money for her. I love it. Um, so my matraca, it's a little bit broad. It's just I, I didn't have one prepared, but um, my matraca goes to small businesses. <laughs> to small businesses. Um, I just love seeing my friends that are that are going after whatever their dream is with their small businesses. Um, anyone that is supporting small businesses through policy, through support, through financial support. Um, I just keep thinking a lot about how small business, how important small businesses are to the fabric of culture and society. And, and I worry a lot as we keep seeing, you know, big companies get bigger and, and big conglomerates like, um, make it harder. And, and you see inflation, all these things that I feel like make it harder for small businesses to succeed. It really worries me because I think small businesses are one of the most beautiful parts of the fabric of our, our, our culture. So that's, I just want to give a shout out to all my friends who are out there creating their businesses, growing their businesses and anyone who supports them in any way. So that's my matraca. Very good. I agree. Concur. <laughs> and how about a uh, basura? Do you have one? You know, it's hard to think of a basura. I mean, per the usual suspects, uh, anti-LGBTQ yeah. legislation, uh, the rollback of abortion rights, Republicans in general, people that, that um, for some reason um, are allergic to the idea of like, hey, if I paid my student loans, why should I help you? All those people go in la basura, you know, the usual suspects. But I guess what I'll, what I'll add is any of my, our listeners that have been consuming this show, that love this show, that, that come back every day, that, that, that say you celebrate us, but have not written an Apple podcast review. This is the call out to take a, take a minute to write us that Apple podcast review because it really, really helps us. Um, basura. Yeah. Also was trying to come up with one. Um, and I'm also going to put a usual suspect in the basura. I'm going to put Texas in the basura. Um, recent, I saw that a school in Texas and probably more than one school doesn't allow their students to wear braids. And so obviously we know who that targets. Um, yeah. so just, you know, putting Texas in the basura every single day for so many things, but that's a most recent one I just read yesterday that I was just, uh, just appalled by it as always. Um, okay. And then how about calma? You have, you have well, a calma? Yes, I have a calma. So what always brings us a calma is when we do hear your Apple podcast reviews, when we read them. So I'm going to read you one that we received recently. It was awesome, super, super touching. So the, the heading is La Neta del Planeta. <laughs> Being 45-year-old <laughs> queer Latinx is not often I find spaces online and in person that I feel I can come with all my identities. This podcast has hit the nail in every single episode. It's been a comforting, refreshing experience. I listen because it makes me feel validated and I get to learn so much and I appreciate the topics and exploration in this audio oasis. Oh my God. Gracias, mujeres. Thank Aww. you so, so much for that review. It is absolutely wonderful and we hope to see many more of those. Anna Sheila, mm -hmm. what gives you your calma? Well, I'm blushing right now. Audio Oasis. I'm going to remember that. We got we got to put that somewhere también. Um, and uh, my calma, it, it, I mean, it's just like different um, little affirmations or reminders that I've been using. Um, so when I 
when I think about, I, I'm really kind of trying to say, I, I feel like I, I lost myself a lot in, you know, recent years or, or whatever. So it's really about like thinking about, okay, come back to you, stay attached to you. Um, and so that's been just those reminders. Like when I catch myself overthinking, when I catch myself thinking too much about what other people might be doing or thinking, it's like, come back to you. This time is about you and your healing and no one else. And um, another one is just like, get it, like, get todo fluya. Just let things flow. Just, just constantly reminding myself to let go. Respira, let go, come back to you. So that's, if, if that's helpful to anyone, hope, you know, sharing it with y'all. Definitely. It's super, super helpful. I think sometimes the FOMO or what people are doing or people are thinking can be all consuming. So I think that's a really great message to get back to you. And it also makes me think of water. I think, Ana Sheila, I think you, the universe is telling you to do something with yes. water. I think you need to go to an alberca. You need to go to, to the, <laughs> La Playita. You definitely need to do something with water so that we yes. can call in more of that flow. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm an earth sign, but I do think that water is is a... Um, is good for me. <laughs> but anyway, yep, yep, yep. that is well, our episode for today, yeah, y'all. That is our show. So thank you all for listening. Please share this episode with a friend. Please let us know what else you want to hear. And we've got some fun stuff coming down. So just do. continue to follow us. Follow us on all of the social. And the other way that you can always help us is that we do accept contributions, big or small, a dollar, five dollars, whatever it is. You can go to Tamarindo the podcast. And hit that support button. Thank you all. Yes. Nos vemos. Abrazos. Bye. Ciao. Bye. Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Ana Sheila Victorino. Our producers are Mitzi Hernandez and Augusto Martinez of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards. If you want to support our work, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com. Besties and welcome to I Am Besties. I'm Stephanie Ramirez and I'm Vanessa Casares. We're two Latinas coming together to create a space for heart-to-heart chats on everything that matters. From relationship advice to empowering women, exploring spiritual insights and healing trauma, we've got it all covered. We're your go-to besties, sharing personal stories and bringing on inspiring guests for an engaging and entertaining listening experience. I Am Besties, where you'll find laughter, love, and a supportive sisterhood. Join us and be a part of the family. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.